Short Box Summary. I'm your host, George, and today I'm joined by my good friends Aaron and Colin. They are here in the studio to talk about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It is not a Marvel movie, but it's a comic book movie, and we got to talk about it. Aaron, how's it going, my guy? Mm, what's good, my man? I'm doing good. Thank you. Colin, how are you doing? Pretty solid, pretty solid. Excited to talk about this movie. I am too. I didn't think I would be. And then I watched it for the first time in probably like 15, maybe even like 20 years-ish. I like this movie a lot more than I thought I would. Right? It didn't deserve yeah. the hate that it got. No, it really didn't. I, I feel like this movie... this movie so hard. Ooh, I hated on this movie so hard. <laughs> I feel and like it ruins like... so many people's careers. And it's like, actually, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. It's, not, movie. it's not bad at all. I don't know why I thought it was terrible. I think it was probably I, I, I because thought it was horrible. It's the movie Sean Connery went out on, and I think that offended a lot of people. Oh, oh man, I wouldn't. Man. <laughs> I thought he should have stopped sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've got some fun Sean Connery facts. Like because of this he movie. slapped on set, or no, no, no. <laughs> uh, not not straining orders. No. <laughs> You hit her with an open hand. <laughs> oh, we did it. We broke the seal. Okay. I was wondering, like in my head, I'm like, I got to put an over-under on how many times we're just going to break into a Sean Connery impression. And uh, I accidentally did it myself. I feel bad. No, you just kick-started it. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. I, wanna hear, I can't wait to hear Aaron's Sean Connery impression. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one. <laughs> well, maybe we'll uh, bully you into trying one at the end of the podcast. Uh, let's Let's Should jump be. into it. Let's talk about this movie. Go, League, of Extraordinary, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen came out July 11th, 2003. Wow. Wait, when? 2003? Yeah. That's almost 20 years old. Huh. Yeah. Uh, it's, been, it's been a minute. Uh, it debuted at number two when it came out. That doesn't happen very often. Usually when we talk about movies on this podcast, they're, they're usually number one. But unfortunately for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, it came out the same day as Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, oh, which, oh, took, yeah. which took number one. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, hit number two. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines was number three. Mm-mm. Finding Nemo, oh, still you. number four after releasing in June. Maybe even earlier, that might have been a May movie. And then Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, rounding out the top five. <laughs> wow. What a Full throttle. Is that the one with uh, with uh, Demi Moore? That is the one with Demi Moore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen either. She of rocks. Those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, she looked. She looked great in that movie. Yeah, she out. She outdid everybody in the movie. I'm like, the hottest chick in the movie is like a hundred. <laughs> she was, she was, I think she was like 45 but yeah all right, all right yeah rounds up rounds I up I mean you know at the time G.I. <laughs> yeah, Jane looked good G.I. Jane was G.I. Jane was still throwing 98 in 03 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, s- some more context this movie came out the same week that uh, Beyonce's Crazy in Love hit number one on the billboard and that was Beyonce's first oh, wow. solo single to hit number one and uh, for the comic book nerds, when this movie came out, Jeff Johns, he's best known for his work at DC, was writing Avengers. Uh, 
technically Avengers issue 57 in like the grand scheme of numbering, it was issue 482. And I wouldn't even start like getting Avengers every month from the comic book shop until around Avengers 503. Uh, Batman 615 had just dropped. That was Hush part eight, which is like one of the more famous Batman stories. I wouldn't start reading that monthly until issue 637. The Authority began its second volume. Daredevil 47 had come out this same month. Uh, I wouldn't start reading that regularly until issue 70. And Detective Comics 782 came out. And I like this one because they still use the same numbering and they are now on issue 1067. So in terms of comic books, this was a long time ago. It was a completely different era. I wasn't even really reading comic books at this time. If I was at an airport or a bus station, I would pick up Spider-Man, but that was about it. Colin, I mean, you where said were you? It was a long time ago. <laughs> I was it, was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> you were you were uh, how old? You were 15? Yeah, I was smack dab in the middle of high school, I guess. Mid, mid to early high school, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. This is probably one of those, like, gather the troops to go see whatever cool action movie was out at the time, like Batman Begins type type thing and uh but I, if i recall i think i liked it when i saw it it was before i was reading reviews and knew that the rest of the world didn't like it but uh um, right. <laughs> yeah this is you said june 11th july 11th 2003. july 11th then uh mm. yeah man i was uh doing marching band practice <laughs> did, uh, they made you do that over the summer all oh my god are you kidding me all four years it's basically as soon as school ended we had about two weeks of free time and then we were marching for until school started yikes that's like yeah you so, weren't even allowed to start football practice until august so like they got more time off than than marching band that's rough the, yeah they did and they still made a lot of fun of us even though we were <laughs> performing better than they were <laughs> aaron where were you july 11th 2003 I was buck wild living in Vegas. I was working at the MGM Grand Hotel, and I lived in Henderson across the street from the Sunset Casino. So all my free time was at the Sunset Casino or one of the clubs or whatever in Vegas. So mm-hmm. Very nice. That's pretty that's sick. That was, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't see any of the cast in there like playing craps with the money they made from this film. Yeah. I've seen I've seen a lot of those people around, but I mean, I, you know, through the hotels. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I remember I, I actually saw the movie, and I believe I went to the theater to see it because there wasn't nothing else to do. Um, and I, it was something I hated. I couldn't stand this movie when I saw it in the theater at all. I was just like <laughs> the whole shit was cornball. Look at this ridiculous, you know, it's like they trying to be like Batman. Like, come on, do your own thing. Stop biting. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when I went and watched it as an adult, I'm like, you know what? It's really not that bad. <laughs> I mean, maybe I've just seen so much, so many more horrible movies that are way worse than that. I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad. But this go round, I actually liked it. So, maybe I just wasn't ready back then. This movie came out on my 13th birthday. I didn't see it 
because I had just moved to South America. The only movie on this list that I think I saw in theaters was Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines because I was a big Terminator head as a as a kid. Still think Terminator 2 is still a big Terminator head. Yeah, despite everything, yeah, despite everything they've done after 1992 and 2003 to to turn me off, I'm still a big fan of the first half of that series, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, 3 was just garbage. <laughs> I agree with you, but I think the final the final <laughs> scene the final scene of like all the nukes going off and uh Nicholas Stoll like doing his, his monologue, I remember thinking like, whoa, this is really powerful. I was twelve when that happened. But uh it it, it stuck out to me. Well <sighs> no. Can't all win right, them all. So you guys <laughs> You guys have your opinions of uh of this movie, and so did Siskel Ebert. Uh, sorry, Siskel and Ebert. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, uh, this review dropped. I don't really mind the movie's lack of believability. Well, I mind a little. To assume audiences will believe cars racing through Venice is insulting as giving them a gondola class, or, sorry, a gondola chase down the White House lawn. What I do mind is that the movie yeah. plays like a big wind came along and blew away the script and they ran down the street after it and grabbed a few pages and shot those. Since Oscar Wilde contributed Dorian Gray to the movie, it may be appropriate to end with his dying words. Either the wallpaper goes or I do. So that was Ebert's uh, final words <laughs> on, on the movie. Give it a one out of four stars. Um, I think it's a two. What do you think you would say now? Yeah, good question. I think you'd he probably say the same it. thing. Yeah, or like, oh, no you know stars. What? Not that bad. <laughs> well, he's, yeah, he said that before. <laughs> He said that before Redbox, so in a post-Redbox world, I think he'd probably be a little more forgiving. Yeah, <laughs> if he didn't have to sit and stare at it on a big screen and could like pause it to go take a piss, like yeah, it'd yeah. probably be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll and be honest. I'll be honest. There was one part of this movie I was I was drinking some beverages while watching it, and I was watching on my Xbox. I definitely like took out my headphones and put my headphones on so I could go smoke a cigarette outside while still watching the movie through my window. So like, it wasn't like the most like, committed yeah. viewing experience when I was doing exactly. it, but like, yeah. I still, I still had a great time, you know? I mean, it for sure has its flaws. Like there's even watching it now, it's easy to pinpoint the things I didn't like when I was 15. Cause I still don't like them now, but I have more of a reason to not like them. <laughs> like, you know, now I, understand I realize. Why. I, I I finally think I realized why I had seen it before and I didn't like it and you know now I do. I think it's because I wasn't high then, so that's probably why <laughs> everything yeah. went through with no problem. And you know the second go around, like, oh, hmm, that's cool. I wasn't hating at all, so my head was in a different place. Maybe that's the difference. But to be fair. If you were high, mm-hmm. you'd probably also like Terminator 3. No, I've tried that. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I'm literally like, oh, I can't fucking do this. And, and <laughs> switch to something else. <laughs> it was a long pandemic, man. You think I didn't try that? Yeah, come on. <laughs> First thing I did is retry every, every movie. You know what I mean? I thought I was too cool for this movie when it came out. And like the funniest part was <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was so dorky 
It's like, oh, cool, Captain Nemo, real original, guys. I had no idea it was based on a comic book at that time. Uh, the comic book, by the way, we should say, is written by Alan Moore, drawn by Kevin O'Neill. Um, I've tried to read this book. I really struggle with Alan Moore books. Uh, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison are two comic book authors in particular that I struggle with, where like I feel like I need like Cliff's Notes as I'm reading it. Like I need someone to point out what's so smart and what's so cool about it, because I just don't catch it on the first time and like it, it i had to read Watchmen like seven times before i finally admitted it was good i just like didn't like it the first couple times and leave extraordinary gentlemen mm. i still am working my way through it i think it's gorgeous like it's a really pretty book but i don't think it's the easiest to to pick up book especially i feel like modern superhero comics and modern indie comics have kind of dumbed it down like there's obviously good stuff that's a little a little deeper a little more dense but uh usually not as dense as an alan moore book so it's a little hard to jump into uh but again i thought i was too cool for this movie i thought it looked fucking stupid frankly when it first came out like oh it's early 1900s late 1800s oh but they got a car fucking (laughs) what are they gonna think of next limo that everybody fits into yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, a 45 cylinder uh rolls royce before it ever came out exactly and it I handles can't. like it's a rally sport. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, what is this? Yeah, yeah zipping through <laughs> Venice, just taking tight corners yeah. of this, this like 30-foot car. <laughs> oh, really quick, there's something interesting about that. I was reading the trivia section for this movie, as I do for all movies we cover. And uh, they show like three pedals. And they're like, but the way the car was driving, it was like an automatic transmission. But it turns out that the two pedals, there were two brake pedals. And one of the brake pedals... Like, cause I think they like actually built a car. I don't think it could actually go that fast, but like the way the, cause the car was so large, they like made it so you could break the right side of the car. And so you could break the left side of the car. And I think that was like their logic for how they could hit those turns. Again, that's like too much explanation to make this dumb scene make sense. <laughs> the breadcrumbs are there. Like that's kind of nice. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that whole scene is as ridiculous as it is, especially not even just the car scene, but the reason they're driving the car through Venice. But mm-hmm. you can't, I mean, the shot of Tom Sawyer to Sean Connery and then double blasting with his pistols is pretty <laughs> epic. Like, yeah, no, it, that was, it was hard to look at. <laughs> It was. Um, let's jump in. Uh, we, we talked about what we thought revisiting the movie. Let's remind people what this movie's about. Uh, as the world moves into the 20th or 21st century, I guess, right? No, we're in the 21st century now. Uh, as the world moves into the 20th century, the heroes and legends of the 19th do everything they can to stop countries from careening into a globe-spanning war powered by devastating modern weapons. This movie's kind of steampunk. They've got shit that they didn't have back in the late 1800s. But uh, makes it a more interesting movie, that's for sure. This is one of my favorite segments we've done in in a hot second, is um, casting casualties, which is where we talk about the people who almost made the movie, people who who just missed it. All right, casting casualties. Uh, The people who were almost in it, the people who didn't quite make the cut. People who probably should have, and people who I don't want within a mile of this movie. Uh, number one, Jason Isaacs, uh, Lucius Malfoy from Harry Potter, and the bad guy, uh, Colonel Tavington from The Patriot, was supposed to play Campion mm-hmm. Bond uh, of the James Bond family. That was like a long-running rumor that has since been debunked by Isaacs, but that was I, I do remember that happening on the internet, saying that there was a deleted scene with uh, James Bond's grandfather. 
that never materialized. Oh, well, so real quick, George, when you were talking earlier, this this movie almost got me to start reading comics because I did little a little deep dive on mm -hmm. like when it came out who the characters were and i had read that a campion bond was supposed to be in it this uh, jason isaac's thing is brand new to me but i would have loved it had he been, <laughs> in that. been oh cool campion and jason isaacs oh man there's one cast almost that uh it's gonna drive you crazy actually i can't wait to get there monica bellucci was originally cast as mina harker um, she was, I think in matrix too, right? Wasn't she the architect's wife or not the architect's yeah, wife, yeah. the, uh, whatever that the, weird um, French guy was. Indian's wife. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I don't know British casualty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of her. Anything that she had, I'm watching. No, I mean, yeah, I, am too. I just think whoever played her since I've never seen that actor since I, I thought she was great. She nailed Mina Harker. I thought, but Mm -hmm. You know what? You're right. You're right about that. She was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. She was not. A, she was not a problem better this movie. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, uh, Peter Wilson. Sorry, Peter Wilson. Uh, Eddie Izzard, British comedian, read for Skinner slash The Invisible Man. Okay. Mm. All right. Yeah. And. Um, Fuck, this is, this is, uh, oh, actually, I'll keep going. Uh, David Thewlis, uh, Professor Lupin from Harry Potter, he auditioned for uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And, uh, Colin, this mm -hmm. is one I was thinking about for you. Thomas Ian Nicholas, Kevin from American Pie, auditioned for Tom Sawyer, but didn't get the part. Again, I think, uh, well, I don't know that what's his name is was the right choice for Sawyer. Um, Shane West, yeah. Shane West, but they definitely made the right choice not going with Kevin from American Pie. <laughs> Shane, Shane West was such an interesting choice because he was like the guy from uh, like a walk to remember like remember, that. Uh, yeah. And so it seemed like it was him trying to graduate from teen heartthrob to like adult action star. And uh, he had, he had moments of, of brilliance in the movie, but uh, I, I agree. I don't think he was the right person for the part, but he was more right for the part than Tom fucking kevin like a warm apple pie guy um <laughs> yeah. a kid in king arthur's or yankees court or whatever that movie was way back when or no is he in the movie where he breaks his arm and he's like a yeah yeah rookie of, rookie of the year rookie of the year yeah rookie of the year yeah uh my two favorite casting what ifs uh I've, i found this out while doing research for the movie sean connery turned down the role of gandalf in the lord of the rings movies because quote he didn't understand the script for the it's best, it's too, it's it too, it's too confusing. Wait, why am I an elf? Is it you compared to this? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably I'm. But actually, speaking of that, isn't Stuart Townsend? Wasn't he supposed to be? Aragorn? Yeah, he was. Stuart Townsend originally cast as Aragorn, but was dismissed days before principal shooting because they thought he was too young. Aaron, you're a sports guy. Does that feel like yeah. when? Like Herb Brooks was kicked off the men's like Olympic team in 1960, and then they go on to win the gold medal. Like, is that what it feels like? Like you're the last person cut before everyone else goes and it does something great without you. <laughs> I mean, I've never gotten cut from a team that did something great. I couldn't tell. You. <laughs> I imagine that's a very. I imagine that's a good. That's a good good sports metaphor. Ugh. 
Um, great for the movie at the time, great for the movie now. I would have given this movie a fucking D minus for dork minus city. Like I just again, I thought it was, I thought it was really garish. I think you can tell that it kind of came out in like a post Daredevil world. Uh, we recorded the Daredevil episode that came out in February of two thousand three. This is July two thousand three, and so just a lot of like the lighting techniques I think are kind of the same, and like it just looks like dark and dreary, and it's like kind of uh, like like a really nice hot topic was is like where they got like a lot of the the costuming and a lot of like the the props it's because it was like kind of like pseudo gothic which like makes sense for the time period in hindsight but at the time i just couldn't get into it um right and i give it probably like a solid b now like i think it's like a perfectly enjoyable mm-hmm. movie if if they still so played you felt movies like, like I did. this yeah if they played movies like this on tv i would flipping through the channels i would just watch this movie yeah that would happen yeah I'm pretty sure. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think, uh, I don't know that mine changed. I think I went B to B. This dude, like, I'm consistent. I knew this was perfect for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 15-year-old me was ecstatic with what I was getting. It was getting. dead on. And then uh, 20 years later, I was like, yeah, all right, it's not great, but it's also not trash in my book. <laughs> yeah. Never wrong, only early. The, the yeah. Colin story. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Not me. I was like, no, sir. But oh. let's go around, man. Big ups. I mean, I, I think, um, like, yeah, the costumes and all that stuff is, like, a little over the top to me. I wasn't with it all, but I don't know. It, it, it's, it sucked me in. And I, I I don't know if it's the way it was shot or the way it flowed, the way it moved. It look it just kept my eye and kept me uh, attracted to it the whole time. I didn't want to look away. There was a lot going on in that in this movie, so it was cool. Yeah, especially if you just want mindless action. Oh, which like, is let's go exactly yeah. what I wanted and still want exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, best line of the movie. I've got. Two Sean Connery quotes. Actually, I wrote down a lot, but I'm, I'm going to keep it to three. I got two Sean Connery quotes. Um, You're probably too young to know, but the Empire is always in some kind of peril. I just yeah. love him being like a dis- disgruntled, pissed old action hero, right? Like, just yeah. like, uh, like he was the cop who actually yeah. got to retire. Like, sorry, Danny Glover, you'll never retire. Um, <laughs> he actually got to, and it's just like, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. And then, same scene, uh, automatic rifles. Who has automatic rifles? Show on sporting. Probably Belgium. Like, it's just like thinly veiled racism <laughs> from Sean Connery. And then uh, my, my final quote, I'm, I'm cutting one that I don't want to cut, but that's the podcast. Uh, when they're at his, his tombstone at the end of the movie, uh, may this new century be yours as the old one was mine. Uh, I, I just thought that was fucking excellent. Or that's what he's saying to Shane West, I think, as he's passing. Not at not the tombstone. Um, I just thought that line was was beautiful. I Colin, I don't have a line in particular, but like it's a it's more of a motion he does right after the they're attacked in his lodge, and uh, the one guy is like running away, and he pulls out. He's like, "Bruce, give me Matilda." And he, uh, <laughs> runs oh <outside>. yeah, <laughs> he, pulls, he he looks down the scope, and then that the British dude is like, oh, but he's so far away. And he, he kind of yeah. sighs and he's like, 
and pulls out his glasses. <laughs> 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 that moment was hysterical to me. So I think that was like my favorite, just non-line line. That Aaron. yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> I didn't have a, a a line directly, but yeah, like like he said, when he pulled the glasses out of his pocket, I thought that was cool. I also was like, who is this kid hauling ass that fast? You know what I mean? How come he ain't signed to the giant? <laughs> 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 that motherfucker was getting it. I was like, yeah, damn, they got hurt. And that, that was that was back before pads too. So like, <laughs> he was <laughs> like, well, man, dude, dude, could, dude could really sling it down the field, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to add one more quote then. It's uh, right after we find out Harkins is a vampire and Shane West goes, boy, they told me European women had funny ways. And it's like right after she like murders someone. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I lived in Europe for a year. I can, I can relate. I also had my, my fair share of uh, weird vampires at night. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's only there a year. I, I don't have that many stories. Uh, best fight scene. Um, let's see. Um, I'm just going to list them all off for the Bank of London slash Blimp Factory. I think that one, like the opening of the movie, uh, I actually thought was really well done. I was, was actually kind of surprised because I remember that being stupid. But then I, it turns out I think I just like Blimp Factory as a setting for movies. Like I think I just in every movie I see going forward, I hope there's a Blimp Factory scene. Yeah. Blimp factory. <laughs> That's a good sentence yeah. too. It's just like, when are we shooting the blimp factory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Rounders Two, the the poker movie with Matt Damon. Yeah, but when is the scene taking place near a dirigible? Please. <laughs> uh. The African Hunting Lodge. I don't normally do this, but I I have three notes that I made because I thought this fight scene was so incredible. Um. <laughs> I wrote, man, fuck the same dude up with two different tables. Uh, like, there's one scene where, like, he actually, I think he picks up a coffee table and slams him into, like, another one. I was just like, oh, I've never seen a guy get fucked by two tables in, in one scene before. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. uh, guy was alive for a long time after being impaled by a rhino horn. Like, I just assumed that would kill you faster because it's, like, right. six inches wide at the base and then pretty sharp <laughs> at the front. And it was, That's like, wasn't, right. Wasn't he wearing armor? <laughs> Like was weren't they all wearing armor, and then he impales him through back and chest armor? <laughs> he was impaled through both. Yeah. Uh, I guess he might have like taken it off because like the, there's that one comma where it's just like they're wearing plate armor. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm sorry about my Sean Connery. I, I have I have like thick headphones on, so I can't even like really hear it. I I hope it's good. No, lean in more to it. Uh, I could do the rest of the podcast with the accent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the final note, uh, I love that he's just in because those assholes blew up his favorite bar, and then I wrote, destroying Jackalope would radicalize me. <laughs> like, if, if, like, if someone blew up Jackalope, I would lose my fucking mind. That's very true. I mean, that's like the, that's what gets him involved, right? <laughs> yeah. And killed all the shit yeah. at the lodge. <laughs> yeah. Fuck around, get a tattoo of the logo on you. <laughs> Secret society that's built up. <laughs> that's really good uh, that's some no ma'am shit if I've ever heard of it <laughs> that's like how a Tony Jaw movie would start you know it's just like you swap out the elephant for a bar and that, that's my Tony Jaw movie 
<laughs> uh, the fight scene at Dorian Gray's house. I got two notes for this. Sliding the ladder, like because it was like a library, yeah. and so it had like a, mm-hmm. a ladder on a rail, so you could like read all his books. But yeah. then someone kicked the ladder to like knock all the guns away. I thought that looked great. And then the Invisible yep. Man throwing a drink on his face to wipe off the baby powder so he could be seen. I thought that was just like a really nice, like small touch and like a big chaotic scene. It really was. The, and that, all, that, it, that whole scene mimics, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie too, but like the, isn't there a library fight scene in Wanted with the bolt, the bullet? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Spinning you know what? It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that made me think of Wanted when I saw this one. I'm like, okay, well, this dude is a fan of this movie, it seems. You know, with the crazy long shot, you know, yeah. he puts the glasses on and does that wild-ass shot. You know, I'm like, this seems like some shit out of Wanted. For real, but, you know, you follows a bullet through a dude, you know, that like, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I got a lot of those vibes when I watched that movie. I'm a big fan of that scene in particular, if, if we're going down yeah. the fight scene favorites yeah uh the, one of your favorite oh, okay. the dr jekyll mr hyde capture scene in paris that's ill <laughs> that was probably why I like and uh the uh, the only note i have for this one is like uh i think he's comparing how much he misses england like he compares it to like a nice glass of of red wine and it's like dude you're in paris you're like it's like it's like where they invented wine. Like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Comparing fucking shitty England. No offense, I love England. Colin, I know you do too. Yeah, like where where do you get off calling it like a beautiful glass of red wine? Get out of here. True. True. <laughs> Venice building dominoes slash car chase scene. I still don't really understand this scene. So they need the the. It's a domino sequence, right? Where like they set up one thing of explosives and that starts knocking down a building and they use that to knock over every other building. And so they're using the car to jump ahead of the explosion to like beat the explosion to like a certain point so that they could launch a flare so that so that Nemo could launch a fucking trident missile out of his submarine to like blow up a building to like remove that from the domino sequence so like the building stopped falling down. I don't yeah, it's not it's not like the most straightforward <laughs> action scene, but god damn, are there great moments. Uh, like this is the first time like everyone really cuts loose. Yeah. And like because of that, it's pretty fun. You, you get to see what everyone's really good at in this scene. Do, do you think those buildings were empty? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. Like a lot of people died. <laughs> a lot of people died. You know, we got to take this building out just to stop these other people from going. So fuck these people here. Yeah, yeah. Like Nemo willingly didn't even like hesitate, like finger on the button. It was just like as soon as I see that flare, they are dead. (laughs) (laughs) Did we clear them out? Clear who out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the body count. I I looked it up. The trivia page I found had a body count that said sixty-six people. I think that's just sixty-six people we see die, and I I don't think that counts like civilian no uh, casualties. You know, uh, what's like what's the word? Uh, When you accidentally kill someone and uh, whatever, I yeah, civilian casualties. casualties. That's a (laughs) <laughs> collateral damage. No, like, uh, collateral, collateral damage. damage. There it is. Oh God. We should talk about that movie on this podcast. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a firefighter. Fuck yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next up. Um, 
Then it was just like the final battle. We've got Nemo and Hyde versus the guards, Dorian versus Harker, Sawyer versus Invisible Goon and Juggernaut, Quartermain versus Moriarty, and then Nemo and Hyde versus Devil Hyde. And of all of those, um, I want to say Sawyer versus the Invisible Goon and the Juggernaut was like probably the most interesting part of that fight to me. But I just, yeah. what I made, my favorite part about that was. I kept expecting the movie like sets you up to think that the invisible man is like the piece of shit. who's like betraying the group and not Dorian Gray. Right. And so I just like seeing him be like so trustworthy and so badass. And apparently there was even a deleted scene where it turns out like he actually works for British intelligence. Cause like he's yeah. very specifically not the doctor who invents the serum in he stole the it. book. Yeah. Which is funny. I think they did that because the character was either still like not under public domain at that point. Or because he had a history of murder and rape in the book, like the actual yeah. doctor who got the Invisibles formula. But then, like, so was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So I'm like, okay, like, I understand you need a Hulk, but, like, he's also kind of a spotty character we got here. I just uh, did any... Because oh, of, like, yeah. the CG was too much. To, like, it was yeah. too expensive to keep making him invisible, so they just hit him away for a little bit. Which which really sucks. Cause I got a note here too that I think he looks better as invisible CGI than he does with just baby powder on his face. Yeah, or whatever, like the talcum shit. I thought the invisible stuff actually looked really good for two thousand three. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, your wait, favorite wait, fight wait, scenes? Wait. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. No, no. I was just no. I the the juggernaut like, and again, fifteen year old me, seeing him like <laughs> beat the shit out of Hyde and being like three times the size of Hyde was insane. Like even now rewatching it, I was like, whoa, this thing is like unstoppable. Like even Marvel's Hulk might have a hard time like dealing with this guy. Though I would like to point out that that random henchman who becomes him does a horrible job of drinking the elixir. Like, Oh you know, yeah! Kind of like dumps it on his face and gets maybe a well, cut into his mouth. <laughs> the the I'm way like, he does it. He have to, how many takes did he? <laughs> yeah. The like, the way he does it is the way. The the way he does it is the way I eat shredded cheese, and I do that to make sure I spill some on the floor <laughs> for my dogs. I'm just like, oh no, I dropped some tuna, cricket, goose. Oh no! <laughs> That's how he, he drank that formula. Uh, I really think of all these fight scenes, my number one is probably African Hunting Lodge, like the opening fight scene, and then probably the Venice building Domino's car chase. I just didn't like African Hunting Lodge at all. Like, why y'all in Africa hunting? Take your ass somewhere else. Where's white people go hunting? Let's see. Especially when ain't that many black people in this movie. Yeah, that's a I fair mean, point. I kind of claim the. <laughs> I also feel that's like a, yeah, fair point. Be, being in an African hunting lodge, only like right. two people had guns. Right. Like in you one of them, all, all the little the kids and everything around. I'm like, hold on, man, what is this? Yeah, these is this are... some apartheid shit they got going on over here? <laughs> <laughs> George says it's a hunting lodge. I'm like, oh, okay, hunting lodge. Yeah, okay, I can get with that. Well, they had like all yeah. the game on the walls, right? Like, isn't that like? Yeah, I, right. I, they I, had a I fucking rat on the wall. That's that's how they killed that guy. Bro, obviously there was so obviously there was obviously there was grosser shit going on there than just the hunting lodge. And I'm I'm Bro, glossing I'm it up from the south. My uncle got dead shit on his walls, man. 
<laughs> that's, that's what we do in this out. That ain't nothing. <laughs> well, that which is, which begs the question: Why did only Sean Connery have a gun and the bartender have a gun? All of those. See, dudes, we here. I get it. Mm-hmm. All of those guys. I had a lot of questions. Just like Sean Connery should have been packing heat. Like as soon as the, <laughs> these four dudes come in with automatic rifles, that should have all everybody should have just been like <laughs> exactly. What they doing that what they hunting at that lodge that they need a gun for that y'all ain't got a gun for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I just liked it when he killed the guy with a rhino horn, okay? Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just I like that I just like that shot. The sequence was cool. My my favorite fight scene was the um the um the high chase. I love that chase, that, that chase scene. I thought that was cool. He's huge. He's going I, through, busting everybody's ass. I liked it. I've got a, I've got a question for questions about the movie logic, but I'm just going to ask it right now. Aaron, you're a huge Hulk fan. Mm-hmm. Is is the Hulk transformation better than any? Or sorry, is the Jekyll and Hyde transformation better than any Hulk transformation we've gotten in an, an MCU movie? No, I didn't like all the explosions and the clouds of dust, and here's the shoulder. Uh. I wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate the prosthetics that they clearly made. Now that is fire. Yeah, yeah the prosthetics yeah. are dope and loved it. I want to see more of that and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mark yeah, Ruffalo. I really saying, liked it. Like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry and turning in mm-hmm. CG, just breaking his pants or his shirt open and then just being the Hulk. But Jekyll, like, clearly risking death every single time yeah, to become exactly. hide was pretty intense. <laughs> it was like, hey, y'all, well, hold on. All these pops of smoke about to go off. Yeah. Puff, yeah, puff, puff. Uh-oh, fireworks, yeah. y'all. Fourth of July. Get I hope my here. veins are still yeah. where they're supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really like that character. That's the, that, that character is a big reason why I like this movie. I, bet, I mean, if you, if you take hide out of this movie, Oh, I think this movie is horrible. But maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. I thought it was it was a big, big part of it. Yeah. And definitely the biggest reason why I like the movie. I I yeah. like that makeup. I like seeing that character. And yeah, I was with it. But I um I like no, that he I don't give it no chance. He has to go find his a, a new hat every time he turns into because <laughs> the thing is like this big. <laughs> every time he transforms, he's just like, "Well, I got to run to the store real quick to get a triple <laughs> stag one. Someone left one. Yeah. Just a moment. I need a fresh bowler. It's like, all right. Fine, fine. <laughs> uh, I, I do have a question for both of you, though, especially you, Aaron, because you just said you really loved Hyde in the movie. But deep cut here, do we like that Jekyll and Hyde, or rather that Hyde, or the Hyde from Page Master? Assuming you guys have seen the Page Master. <laughs> I'm trying to think of have I seen Page Master. I think I have seen Page Master. I mean, Hyde is barely in that movie, but he's not like a big hulking menace as much as he is. Oh, okay, then yeah, no, I don't like that one. I definitely didn't like that one. I like, I like the big hulking menacing. I like, I know what you mean. I, I I get, I get what you're saying. I I think creepy is a really, really good way to go with Hyde too. I, I mean, I can see both of them. All right, but if I had to choose, 
yeah. I want the muscles. True. true. <laughs> I like yeah. the big guys. I had to Google the page master hide, which I don't think is a and... great sign for that character. So I got to go with the extraordinary <laughs> gentleman. Isn't it? I think it's Leonard Nimoy who voices him in Page Master. That sounds uh, right. Yeah, he was doing he was doing a lot of voice work back then. He was that was like when he was doing like Transformers. Like he was Galvatron in the Transformers movie. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was. Like the, yes, he was. That shit was, was the, so hard too. It's like he was the narrator. Yeah, he's the narrator in a Halloween Tree. Like he was doing so much shit back then. Um, and he was also in um, Atlantis from Disney. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was uh, Homegirl's dad, the old man mm-hmm. from the yep. from the old Atlantean. Man, he was. I loved Leonard Nimoy's voice. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect for those animated shit. Um, though something I do draw issue with with extraordinary gentleman Hyde is the ability, like Jekyll talks to Hyde when he's Jekyll. right. Like he looks in the mirror and, or when like the, the high pitched noise is going off and he's like, mm-hmm. save me, make it stop. Like, I kind of like the idea that Jekyll is a really smart dude and could be a integral part of the team. So oh, yeah. Talk about plans and strategy, but when they're like, we need Hyde, he's, he should, should be like, okay, but no, no promises. <laughs> like, you don't know what we're going to yeah. get here. <laughs> like, right, right. It was just a wild card. <laughs> Kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's exactly how it should be. That's how I always thought of it, or envisioned, or envisioned uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. It's like you know, two totally separate dudes. You know, uh, one is completely separated from the other. But the first, but the, but um, Doctor Jekyll has to be incredible for anyone to even risk. What he could become, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As far as you know, he—that's how brilliant he has to be. It's like, look, this is the one and only person we have to have. This guy. Now we have to be prepared if he flips into Mister Hyde. But I just—I like that. 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 That's my. That's the way I think of Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, in my mind. Yeah. I wonder because this movie came out. I think Hulk came out June 20th or June 19th or something like just a few weeks before this movie. Uh, I wonder how pissed uh, the director, Stephen Norrington was when he went to see the Hulk and he saw that scene with like Hulk and Bruce, like talking, like not talking through the mirror, but like recognizing each other through the mirror. Like I bet, Mm -hmm. yeah, I bet Norrington was just like in the theater, like, fuck that was, that was, (laughs) (laughs) like i'm i'm the artistic genius not this ang lee whoever the fuck that is the ice storm (laughs) shove the ice storm up your ass for all i care i like the ice storm i do too it's really good (laughs) but i assume steven norrington really fucking hated it after he saw that hulk scene (laughs) yeah probably Uh, for best tug on the heartstring, I've got two moments. Uh, when Quarterman was teaching Sawyer how to shoot, Sawyer brought up his son when they were on like the the deck of the Nautilus and they were doing like uh, the clay pigeon shooting or whatever. Uh, he brings up his son. He's like, "Oh, is this is this how you taught your son how to shoot?" And like, there's no conversation. Like, it's just like him turning around when he doesn't hear an answer, and then you see like the door closing. Like, you just see Quarterman leaving. And I never read King Solomon Mine, which is where Alan Quartermain is from. 
but I assume something bad happened to his son there. Uh, I just thought that was really effective. I remember like this one screenwriting class I took in college and they were like, you don't have to show someone having like an angry conversation on the phone, just show someone answering the phone and then throwing the phone. And that tells you like everything you need to know about what was discussed. And so I just thought it was a good yeah. example of showing and not telling. And then um, that scene with just an old tiger sensing his end. Perhaps this was not his time to die after all. When Sean Connery's like seeing like the uh, like albino, albino tiger uh, at, at the weapons factory in the third act. Um, I liked it because this movie clearly sets up a sequel. And Sean Connery clearly had just zero fucking interest in ever doing anything like this ever again. Uh, so it was a tiger sensing its end. It wasn't a tiger sensing its end. Like it was just uh, layered metaphors because of that shit. Uh, did any scene tug on your heartstrings in particular, Colin? Well, first of all, I don't want to shit on your scenes, but even rewatching it, I felt like what a like what a shitty thing to ask him when you're like hey i'm gonna teach you how to shoot properly and the very first thing you do is like hey remember your son who died let's talk about him like it just seemed really out of place and like someone normally wouldn't bring that up at least not right away like maybe after a couple yeah, why would you go there and like they're getting like close to each other, and then finally bringing it up. I wasn't, I wasn't on Sawyer's side for this. I, I thought, like, just seeing <laughs> act that way, I was like, ooh, ooh, that's that's tough drama. Like that, I was, I was, I was pro court man in that scene. Just so we're clear. Um, okay, well then, I would say tug on the heartstrings is a tough. It's a strong phrase, for, but. Yeah, fifteen-year-old me definitely didn't understand or see the signs that Dorian Gray was going to uh, turn on the team. So mm-hmm. when it what, that shot of him getting in the little like side ship of uh, like the yeah. getaway pod from yeah. the ship, and when you realize yeah, the James the Cameron ship, yeah, yeah, <laughs> when you realize he's the one who's like screwed everybody over, I kind of liked the character up until that point, and I was like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, I think the obvious one is just at the uh, the very end when they're all standing around the gravesite. But yeah, like you said, that it set it up for a sequel, so it was very much like, all right, well, this isn't goodbye. This is just see you in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, just kidding. But um, otherwise, I mean, I just wanted more action. So that's, those were my heartstring scenes. Exactly. Yeah. I went into this movie not looking. But no heartstrings, no nothing, and there was none. Just what I wanted: senseless violence, fast-paced <laughs> action. I didn't want to have to think. So give me well, some cool visuals. Let's make it happen. And glad I could. That. Glad I could be your your beta soy boy in chief on this podcast. It's like, oh, sorry, I talked about my feelings for too long. <laughs> um, well, uh, it's kind of a... People take things in differently, man, and everyone's opinion is valued on this podcast. Well, Aaron, actually, Thanks, Aaron. going back to the high Jekyll talk, especially since you said you loved his inclusion, his scenes are pretty strong when you think about it, especially when they're like, we need hard. And he's like, I can't, no, you don't, no, you, no, please don't make me do it. Like, those are kind of rough because he really hey, doesn't want to let the beast actor, you understand? That dude is <laughs> a thespian. All right? Jason <laughs> I love my man. Yeah, he's he in so much dope shit. What was, it was the, he was the punter or the kicker. Was smoking the cigarettes in the football movie. 
He was the kicker for uh, the replacements. No, he, no, no, he no, wasn't. Hey, that's him? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the dudes I get mixed up all the time. You were mixed Jason Flynn. I don't know. British in, white uh, dude. I see I see a gangly British white guy. He's in uh, I know which one you're talking about. you uh, no, you're the guy the, I know exactly who we're talking about now. This dude was a uh gypsy and um Snatch. It's Snatch. Yeah. Right. And yeah. he's been in a ton of uh of those uh those Brit- like he was in Rock and Roller. He was and one of the in- he was Cookie. The dude who sold homie the drugs. And rock and roller. No, he's not. He's not cookie. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't do it. No, he's cookie. He's cookie. Nah, he's cookie. Look it up. I'm man. looking it up. That's cookie, man. He is in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. And yeah, layer cake. I mean, snatch. Are, are you thinking of layer cake? I, I mean, he's crazy, in that too. Yeah. Crazy, crazy Larry and layer cake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All that. Yeah, in the flashback scenes, the poof. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But Cookie yeah. is a different character or a different actor. Is Cookie a different actor? Yeah, Georgie. I don't think so, bro. I'm looking it up. I'm not looking. I'm looking up. Colin gave me. Colin let me rock and roll up four years ago. I have the physical DVD still, despite moving across the country. I still haven't seen. Have you ever watched it? You've not watched. Oh, you're a horrible friend. That movie's incredible. It's a great. Um, it's like he tried to remake Snatch and just didn't quite get there. But what he did do was great. <laughs> okay, I love Rock and Roller yeah. a lot, lot, lot. Because it's all Underworld. Yeah, love it. and he promised sequels, and then he never, uh, never delivered. He did promise a sequel. I'd be so happy if we got it, though. I'm still waiting on that sequel. I know. You gonna do me like that? <laughs> I'm looking it up right now to find out who played Cookie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. Anyway, this is a podcast. We record um, <laughs> on our phones and shit. Look, that ad, that the actor who played Hyde, I'm a big fan of, and I've seen him in other things. I like him a lot. I think my man was great. The wasn't there a Hyde though in um, Van Helsing? In the very beginning, to like introduce. In the very Van beginning. Helsing. Yeah. Right, right, right. That was so a, that was the other Jekyll and Hyde that I thought was cool. That's Robbie Coltrane, R.I.P. Oh yeah. Oh, and by the way, Matt King plays Cookie. Is a Matt King? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Sid Vicious. <laughs> okay, Matt King. I stand corrected. I've been wrong. Um, doesn't have it often, so. Good job, Colin. Yeah. Pull, pull one over on Big A. Yeah. Hey, call it out. I'm here for it. <laughs> I forgot uh, the question. Was this movie <laughs> Was this movie too early, too late, or just right? I'm gonna say this movie was actually too early for for one reason. I just don't think like comic book movies were really just starting to happen now. And like, I just think this one was too weird of a concept, like too high concept to be like one of the Mm -hmm. first big ones uh, after like Spider-Man blew up and like X-Men blew up and like, there hadn't been a new Batman movie yet. And there wouldn't be another Batman movie for another two years, you know? So like, I just think it came a little too early in the pipeline, but also if it came out any later then I think a lot of the practical effects wouldn't have been present in the movie. And I think those actually make it like a much stronger piece of art. 
like there's one shot in particular like all the the barrel bombs like in venice like there's like it shows them like underwater and those are all cgi and those all look like shit and like i honestly wonder like how much more expensive it would have been to just like actually just rent barrels and just like place them underwater and like actually try to get the shot and so i i really think if it had been a couple more years like the mark ruffalo hulk stuff as as you talked about colin like i still don't think it looks great and that's 19 years after this movie had come out. So I, I agree with you. The The prosthetics to show uh, Mr. Hyde, I think are fantastic, but it was too early for the complexity, I think of the, the property, but uh, anything later would have been too late for kind of what made this version of the movie, at least charming. I think. I, I mean, I feel like it stumbles. It's a, this is a hard question to answer. Cause I agree with you too early just for, the filmmaking sense like the graphics have if the, if it were made now it would look insanely different and probably a lot better we lose some stuff like Hyde's transformation would definitely be cgi not prosthetics but i think my mm-hmm. issue lies with like we were the base audience right 15 year old me like 13 year old you um in just like a like blockbuster action pick in the summer but I've never read King Solomon's Minds. I had no idea who Alan Quartermain was. Uh, Mina Harker is just a side character from the Dracula story, and I had never even read that, or Dorian Gray. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, The Invisible Man was dealt with probably the best way, just because he was just like, oh, I'm not who, I'm not him. I'm some other dude who just stole the formula. And then you're like, okay, yeah, makes sense. But (laughs) these other characters, like, I have no idea who they were, and it was hard to connect with what their drive was because they're just they were popular when our parents were like that age so or like when our say. grandparents were that age <laughs> yeah yeah true i would like to just just to piggyback on what you're saying i currently had no idea that those characters names meant something other than just they were giving names i didn't know like i i had heard dorian gray and i knew about that story and i knew dr jekyll I didn't know any of the other names that you guys mentioned at all till, you know, uh, earlier in the conversation when you were talking about, you know, they had taken this, this name from that book. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know that mm-hmm. then. I still don't know that. Yeah, see, that's that's why I feel like the question is, is that why that movie failed? Because obviously we're sitting here talking about how the action was fun. So it's not like the mm-hmm. action was what killed the box office. It's just these characters being thrown together. And it's like, I don't understand who any of these people are. <laughs> um, and why would they be on a team? Like maybe this... To what, stop what, this city from getting blown up? Yeah. And can we Isn't all, that what the heroes do? Just tear up and blow up cities? Well, and then <laughs> and we, build them shit later? Can we talk about <laughs> Phantom? Like, who is he? Like, that sounded uh, like... He, He's supposed he was, to be based off like the Phantom of the Opera, like the the mask was supposed yeah. to be based off that. Yeah, but he that's has, what I figured. He's got a Rasputin beard. His mm-hmm. accent is all over the place. Like, sometimes he's British, sometimes he's Germanic. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't really have any clue. And then it's revealed that it's not even him anyway. And you're like, oh well, uh, okay. But we still dislike the guy he is. It's just he was pretending. Yeah, wait, let's let's. Else. Let's talk about that really quick for a second. Uh, sorry, for jumping ahead really quickly. Uh, for what this movie was missing, not enough Richard uh, Ruxburg, the yes. villain, the guy who played M, 
He's great. When they do that reveal about like why he brought them all together and like how he stole them, like all their powers and everything, and like it was shot in like black mm-hmm. and white. I think that's like one of the more interesting non-action sequences of the movie. Like it was, I just yeah. thought like really well done and just had interesting vibes. And uh, I think earlier this year was when Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow had come out, and I actually really liked that movie. The the Jude Law Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah, retro future shit that they were doing um, just felt like an old serial. And that scene felt like that, but I just, I would have loved more Richard Ruxburg. I think his plan was really stupid until we figured out that he was like mass producing these powers for people. Like, you know, the vampirism, the invisible formula, all that shit. And then selling that off to like the highest bidder. Uh, I also like, he, he brought these people together so he could steal their powers, but like he was still going to be successful if he didn't bring all these people together, you know? So why would you bring together the one group of people who are powerful enough and probably morally righteous enough to want to stop you? To shut you down. I'd, yeah, yeah, like that in hindsight, I'm just like, dude, if you had just sold tanks, if you had just sold automatic weapons, if you just sold explosives, if you just blew up blimp factories, you would have been fucking fine. You didn't have to, you didn't have to call up Alan Quartermain, you didn't have to bring him out of retirement. That's the story of Lex Luthor. If all you do is take care of the planet like you want to and just don't fuck with Superman... You'll be the biggest name, and people will idolize you more than they idolize the alien. Mm-hmm. What, Same his, shit. Was his main plot point like just the world will be a better place if I'm in charge? Like I can't really remember if that's. What <laughs> he, <laughs> he just wanted to make money. He he just wanted to be an arms dealer and sell like oh, yeah. his guns and shit to every country. I do like that it was Moriarty, the one who did it. Yeah. Um, like from from. Sherlock, I think that was yep. kind of cool, and like kind of makes the the costumes make more sense too, because I know Moriarty did like a lot of that shit, and, and Sherlock did too, just like getting getting in disguise and like with Batman, like the matches Malone, like I think that comes from Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so yeah. I did like that, and also it sets up Sherlock Holmes coming in for the sequel. And they, there's rumors about what the sequel's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a, there's a poster in one of the scenes where it talks about. Um, I have it written here. Uh, Extraordinary Entertainment Poster uh, by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. And uh, it says something like, Volcanoes erupt on Mars. Like, it was supposed to be a War of the Worlds. Like, H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds happening uh, on Earth. Like, that was the planned sequel. And so I wonder, like, what else they would have brought in. Because, like, everything here is from, like, the the 1800s. And then War of the Worlds is firmly like uh, written in the 1800s but like I, I don't know like it became more famous when it was like a teleplay by by Orson Welles mm-hmm. so I, I wonder like what differences would have been made in the sequel like tonally compared to this one and we'll never know now but uh, that would have been fun them fighting aliens in fake 1915s that would have been sick except when you look at how this movie ended, bringing them together didn't necessarily that like that wasn't the reason they won. I think mm. like they got there and what the Invisible Man's been gone for half the movie, and when he shows back up again, he gets horribly burned and like probably can't really be invisible ever again. He's out. Mm-hmm. Connery or Quartermain barely make or he doesn't even make the final shot he just coaches tom sawyer how to do it and just basically tom sawyer got lucky with that shot right and sure like me dorian gray screws over the whole team 
and it's he would have gotten away too if it weren't like if Mina Harker hadn't just like gone to the bedroom. It's like they didn't do anything cohesively to solve the problem. Right. They basically right. fractured in this like massive ice castle in Siberia and accidentally won. I mean, Hyde was getting his ass kicked and then the castle blew up. That's why the juggernaut died or got trapped or whatever. It, they didn't do anything to beat him. Like, so I feel yeah. like if, if they okay. had brought him back, Connery would have been like, you brought me back for this shit? I was dead. <laughs> like, I was finally, finally someone else doing it. Thank you. Yeah. So it's just, it, I think that was an issue. Well, it's an issue, but at the same time, I love that. Like if the Avengers movie had ended with them winning almost by accident, just like, whoa, crazy that that worked out. Huh? <laughs> like that would have been a little bit more interesting. And then the sequel in this case, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen fights Martians or whatever, mm. could have been more fun. Like, hey, we actually have to learn how to be a cohesive team now. Like, you got to get Hyde under control. You got you can't just be invisible and like leave the room. Sometimes we need you here. Like, that's the that would have been more interesting to me. Not just like these guys fighting randomly separately and winning. You know. Okay. Yeah, I got a I got a quote here from Kevin O'Neill, the artist who drew the comic. Uh, in an interview with the Times, uh, he said he believed this movie failed because it was not respectful to source material. He did not recognize the characters when reading the screenplay, and claimed that director Stephen Norrington and Sir Sean Connery did not cooperate. Finally, O'Neill said that the comic book version of Alan Quartermain was a lot better than the movie version, and that marginalizing uh, Mina Harker as a vampire uh, changed the whole balance. And uh, Mina Harker was in the comic. I've read this far into the comic. She was the recruit. Like she was the leader of the team. Like she was the person going to uh, all the different places and actually like, you know, like in a heist when you're like recruiting your team members, like yep. she was, she was George Clooney in, in this scene. She was Sandra Bullock. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tony Stark. And she, and yeah. She was exactly. And she was just underutilized especially i really liked her performance uh, we talked about her at the top uh peter wilson she was in a show called la femme nikita which is about like a french assassin which like mm-hmm. aired on usa in the late 90s and i actually remember watching that show just because i could stay up as was late as good? i wanted on fridays yeah it's it good i mean for yeah. 90s yeah i remember the name of uh, the show but i've never never saw it yeah i mean it's, i i don't know how it holds up now but at least back when i was like nine and ten and it was on usa at 11 o'clock on a friday i was i was into it uh we covered a whole bunch of like the questions about logic that i had uh you know Hyde yeah. comparing red wine to england when he's in paris uh is it a better hulk transformation than any actual hulk transformations or oh uh two two more follow-ups is there a person happier in the world than that man who's sleeping in his gondola in Venice when the, the Nautilus shows up. Like, it's just like barely fitting through the canals. There's, they just show this little man wearing a straw hat, just sleeping in his boat. I'm just like, Oh God, if I, if I could be that man right now, I'd, probably not during like the building explosion scene, but like, yeah, you know, 1910s, <laughs> 1910s Venice, just, just sleeping in a boat. seems kind of nice. <laughs> Um, and follow up. So Nemo just has like a private army. Like he just has the most powerful warship in existence, a, a submarine that can go 20,000 leagues under the sea. He can launch yeah. a fucking cr- cruise missile from his ship. He's got sonar and like 
solar power. Like those are two things that like he mentioned in, in the boat. And he also just has like an army of like 250 conscripts who are just like deckhands <laughs> that also all know how to fucking shoot guns. Well, is he the most dangerous man in the world? <laughs> he is a very extraordinary gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> and let's not let's not forget he he got um Ishmael. Guy yeah, that's right. A white whale cool. and survived and then got hired <laughs> to, to like go underwater and I don't know. I've I've never read Moby Dick, but if I went up against the white whale and somehow survived, I would move to like landlocked Kansas or something and never <laughs> go near the ocean again. But uh, yeah, he, he quick to sign on on Nemo's crew. So good for him. I read it in college. I like Herman Melville's short stories a lot more than Moby Dick. It's so fucking long, man. It's, it's the, it's probably the longest, most dense book I've ever read. Really? All it's right. fine. It's fine. Is it any but, good though? Yeah, it's it's good, but it's also one of those like you know when you like watch a movie like for it's like Schindler's Schindler's List. Colin, I finally watched Schindler's List. Uh, I watched it. And I'm like, wow, that was really good. I never want to watch this movie fucking ever again. Like uh-huh. I just I just don't I just don't have it in me. And at least with a movie like Seven, I'm like, okay, I'll watch that movie again in five years. Like I need to need to build myself back up after watching that. Like oh, this is like the worst of humanity. Okay, oh, I've forgotten how bad people can be. Yeah, it's time to watch. Time to watch seven again. Time to watch Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna be. I don't think I'm gonna be there for a, a bit. Yeah. Um, and then final plot point question: Movie logical. This actually has nothing to do with the plot, but uh, this movie released earlier in the year. Uh, the filmmakers originally wanted it to release in the fall, but Fox Studios pushed it to the summer. I guess pulled it to the summer because they didn't want it to compete with Master and Commander: Far Side of the World. And so this movie is like a famous flop. It had a $78 million budget opening weekend. It made 23 million uh, worldwide gross, 179 million, which I think you need to make double your budget to be considered a success in, in Hollywood movies. Right. Colin, is that like the general rule of thumb? Is it? I don't know. I would just assume if it didn't make its initial cost, it was a bomb, but if it made more right. than that, it's still technically a win, right? To yeah. No, you because make no, because it. market, no, no, because marketing doesn't figure into oh, it doesn't. The, the film budget. So you need to make at least twice your budget to be considered successful because usually they'll just not count the money they spend on marketing. And so I guess I just wonder, oh. like, Master and Commander was like a huge success, but it released in the fall. And they probably did that for award consideration. But, uh, yeah. like, do you guys think that that would have been a better summer blockbuster from, from Fox Studios, Master and Commander, than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Well, not if it was up against pirates. No, exactly. Oh fuck! Pirates I completely yeah, fuck, I completely forgot. Yeah, that did come out the same day. <laughs> I think, I think the, the better question here is if pirates hadn't come out, would League have done a lot better? Because Master and Commander is a fine movie. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's close to the source material, but it's just like okay, <laughs> and also never got a sequel. So, who's to say who did better? This at least had a lot of fun action in it that you could just like snore through if you wanted to. Yeah, I feel like dads love that. If they, movie. Wanted, if they wanted a better, they should have come out before Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, and then they could have had. Uh, but I mean, yeah, w- it probably felt like hey, this would have been a good May movie. But then Fox also Fox put out X Men Two in May. Ooh. 
Because this was kind of stacked. Because Daredevil, Daredevil was a Fox movie that came out in February. Uh, X Men Two came out May. That was a Fox movie, and then Hulk was. Who the fuck was Hulk? I mean, it was that. It was later that year, right? Uh, Hulk was June. Yeah. Well, isn't this June? So this is like two weeks apart. This this was July. This was a few July weeks July. after. This was July eleventh. Keep screwing that up. And then June um, was Hulk. Hulk was June twenty. June was Hulk twenty. Um, yeah, so I, I just don't know. Like two thousand four might have been a better year for it. For yeah. just uh, for being honest, um, what did this movie change? Uh, last Sean Connery live action feature. I think he's like credited with some voice work after this, but like this movie effectively ended his career. I saw that like he was uh, he passed on Lord of the Rings and he passed on some other big movie, and so. By the time this movie came around, he demanded like such a high price tag. Like he is, <laughs> he got paid seventeen million dollars to do this movie, and because he oh, got really? paid that much, they had to cut spending in other places because that's a lot to pay one person to be in your fucking movie. Uh, I yeah. think it put a big stinker on on tentpole team movies specifically. Like I genuinely, this made DC think movies should only have one hero. Because like there were rumors back then about a Batman Superman team up movie, and then I feel like this movie mm-hmm. happened. They're like, nope, fuck it, just stick to Batman, just stick to Superman. Let's not mix things up. The person who adapted this movie is a comic book author named James Robinson, and he was super beloved in the '90s because he had a comic book out called Starman, and it was uh, like a, the next generation of like a legacy character from the 1920s. It was like you know their their grandson or whatever, and it was him figuring out how to become his own hero. And he was, everyone fucking loved that book. It was drawn, I think, mostly by Tony Harris. He's a great comic artist. It was really highly regarded, won a bunch of Eisners and shit, and then tried to make the jump to movies. This movie came out, was critically panned, as you remember that uh, that Ebert review from the top. And then this guy just, like, didn't write comic books for, like, 10 years. Like, it's just like, fuck, I don't want to write anything. People are shitty. People are mean. I can't deal with this. That was another uh, thing that this movie changed. And then finally, this is one of the first five movies released on Blu-ray by 20th Century Fox. Blu-ray released, I think, in 2006. Like during the Blu-ray HD DVD war? Yeah, that's right. Between yeah, Microsoft and Sony. Uh, wow. It released alongside. These are the, five, these are the four other movies. Uh, Fantastic Four from 2005. Behind Enemy Lines from 2001. <laughs> Ice Age from 2002, and Aaron, this one's just for you. Kiss of the Dragon from 2001. Hmm. Oh, wow. yeah. There yeah. it is, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I have a question then. I want to yeah. hear, hear what you both think here, but 17 million is a lot of money, especially in 2003, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. throw at Sean Connery, who clearly was probably like, I'm not interested and finally said yes on like the second or third offer. That's my guess. Who knows? He may have said yes right away. But if they really were like, we need an old British guy to fill this role. And if we can pay him less than that, we can do more with our special effects budget or like get the script to a better place. Who would have been better than Connery? Oof. Because like... Not Ian McKellen as the role reversal that we were talking about earlier. If Connery had mm-hmm. done uh, Gandalf, Ian McKellen would not. He'd be too 
Gandalfy in the role and like too wise. <laughs> like we need someone who could just pick up a gun and start firing and ask questions later. Like if Kurt Russell was I, British, boom. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And maybe twenty years older at the time. <laughs> Not Al Al Pacino with a British accent or what? Scottish accent. <laughs> Yeah, fuck it. He, he's a chameleon. He can do anything. I don't. Mel Gibson. Pacino. Mel Gibson. Ooh, Mel Gibson. It's Mel Gibson. That's a that's that's strong. He he can keep his own Australia accent or whatever the fuck accent or Scott whatever his accent is. He's Australian, but give and it would be just he's Australian. He'd be fine. Or give him. He oh, could then... just. Hey, how far away did he play? Like, uh, wasn't he? Didn't he? William Wallace. A couple of years ahead of this shit. Too. Tell him to be William Wallace again. Just... That's it. <laughs> um, Mel Gibson. Everyone believes he's an ass kicker. Oh. I would have. I would have liked this movie so much better if it was him. But this... also, they could have gone. They could have gone to a hunting lodge in Australia. That would have solved one of your problems too. <laughs> yes, it would. Because that's it's yes, still it part would. of the Commonwealth. Yeah, the sun never sets. Yes, sun, sun never sets on the British Empire. Eh. That's right. Okay, and we all we know, everybody love Crocodile Dundee, so they think them Aussie boys can do anything when it comes to hunting and trekking. Except this, is, <laughs> Aaron. This is two thousand two, so this is like what yeah. women want: Mel Gibson, not current yeah. Mel Gibson. So we need someone who yeah. was the same ish age as Connery. Really? I mean, uh, that's the thing. I thought Connery was too old. I thought Connery wasn't believable in this movie to me. I'm like, look, look how long it took him to get up out that chair. I mean, that's how I felt. He didn't seem like, you know, spry Connery. I thought someone a little younger would have been, would have been better. Like, he could still could have had the salt and pepper or gray or silver hair. I have no issue with that. But to yeah. me, Sean Connery seemed too old for this oh. character. Oh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. I, I, I thought of him earlier, and I was just about to say him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say Timothy. Liam Dalton. Neeson was a good choice, too. Huh? Who? Timothy Dalton. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. Like, Did you guys watch uh, Black Adam? Not yet. Pierce, are you talking not Pierce yet, Bronson? No. I'm talking Pierce Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> he made me think of Pierce Bronson. Pierce Bronson today would have yes. been fantastic. <laughs> We're just going down the bond line here. <laughs> hey. Holy oh, shit, we are. <laughs> but yeah. Pierce Brosnan would have been perfect, yeah. But Pierce right. Brosnan today would have been knockout. He okay. was great. Okay. Yeah, he was the best. Not, he was probably the best thing in Black Adam. Not Ian McKellen back then, but uh, Patrick Stewart back then could have been interesting. You're too bald. It was too yeah, too, way oh, too bald. Oh, too, oh, oh he's too bald. Okay, my bad. Yep, too too bald. Well, okay. um, that, still like a little. What, what about what about what about uh uh, uh Jeremy he, Irons? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Jeremy Irons. Mm. Put a beard on him and like yeah. make him a little angry and like a little drunk all the time. Bro. Mm. We've heard him as Scar. Yep. We believed him in Die Hard 3. Yep. He was did. fantastic. Let him come over Fucking here. Let's go. Killed it. Killed it in Aragon, that dragon movie. Yeah. Oh, I loved Aragon. Fuck you. Yeah, that, movie, <laughs> that movie fucking sucks, Aaron. I try to be really positive. I love that movie, dude. I love that movie. I love it. Dog shit. Oh, no, it's not. That shit's incredible. Could you well, I was so movie? mad they didn't, they didn't get a sequel. And then my brother's Shut like, up. they're not making a part two of that shit. I'm like, what? 
Why would Aaron, they? I'm like, I love you. I would, I would take a bullet for you. So, you, like, you know how much I respect you. This is your worst fucking take by like a country mile. This I'm, is so bad. I'm aware. I'm You say the most, you say the most ridiculous shit sometimes, and I always forgive it. But the fact that you think Aragon is a good movie just takes the fucking cake. Aragon. Good grief. Uh, Aragon is so dope to me. I love that movie. I was all right, Jeremy. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons wins, I think. That's yeah. All right, just putting it out. Just, just want to hear. Michael mm-hmm. Caine? Yes. You, Michael Caine can no. do anything. He came it. out of Batman <laughs> Begins three years after. He looked like he was 10,000 years old. Bro. That's true. Yeah, he was very <laughs> old. But that's how old homeboy looked. I'm like, if you already going to go with Mr. Decrepit, why not go with a better Decrepit? John Connery still looked like he could kick the shit out of someone in League of Extraordinary no, like, he, he, he no, looked like he could still he fucking clock you. Yes, he did. No. He, he looked like he could clock you because his hand was shaking from Alzheimer's or whatever that is. Oh, oh right. That's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what about... Uh, I don't believe him. What about... And again, this is... He's perfect now versus however he, yeah. he was then, but Mads Nicholson as... The you, Richard yep, Rockford the character. I don't know about the Quartermain character, but I think if he were the villain or, or the one who pulled them together, I could see him in a mm-hmm. suit and tie, being like, "My name is M." Yeah, and you all need yeah. to do this. He's so serious. Richard Roxburgh had that like, "I'm gonna smoke a cigarette and drink scotch while I tell you that the world is on fire." Mm-hmm. Where, which is fine, but it's very comic book. Mm-hmm. But if you had someone, don't who was, panic. Who was just like, <laughs> yeah. shit's bad. We need you now. And secretly, I'm the villain. Like, I think he could have killed it. Because he's, he's a great I, I agree with you on that. He would have smashed it. Yeah. Madge Mickelson is the man. He's so He good. and, like, Viggo Mortensen are, like, two of my favorite underrated actors. Like, they don't get near the credit they deserve. And I think they're capable of even more. Those guys have shit. Yes, they are. Two sides of the same coin. <laughs> yep. I... I believe you're absolutely right. I maybe it's because uh, Richard Ruxburg was in this movie, but I want Do Gray Scott in the new one. I just don't know who he would play because, like, Dorian Gray is supposed to be young, you know. And Do Gray Scott, all due respect, a little older now than he was twenty years ago. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, I will, I will watch that dude in fucking anything. I think another round is like probably <laughs> yeah. my favorite movie. Like one of my favorite movies the last like fifteen years. That movie's fucking perfect. Which one was that? Uh, another round, like where it's him and his friends trying to be drunk every every day. That was a great, <laughs> a great movie. movie. Honestly, uh, I did a lot of traveling the, recently, and on one of the flights back, I watched the latest Fantastic Beasts movie, like the Harry Potter mm-hmm. world, the one that yep he is Mads Mikkelsen is in now, and yeah. If you take the magic out of that movie, it is a great political thriller. <laughs> yeah. Like, which is a weird sentence okay. for a Harry Potter film, but he also did a great job as like the leader of the bad wizards. So that guy is a chameleon; yeah. can do anything. He can, yeah. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, I feel like he's a chameleon. He can play any role. Any, yeah, he he would nail it all. Yep. Anyway, uh, we're kind of talking about it right now. We're kind of talking about it right now, but uh, future plans for the franchise. In uh, June 2016, Sci-Fi Wire, the print extension, I guess, of, uh, of the Sci-Fi channel, 
uh, reported that 20th Century Fox's update on their planned re-adaptation. Like, they wanted to bring this movie back. Uh, John Davis was on board to produce through his Davis Entertainment banner. Jason Rothwell, uh, Silent Night, uh, was been hired to rewrite. Uh, no director, casting choices, filming start dates, any none of that shit's been decided. But the the logic was that like shows like Penny Dreadful are really popular yeah. as like a literary like mashup thing, and so they thought mm-hmm. that like it would be a good time to to bring it back. And um, they from this interview, it claimed that they wanted to be more faithful to the original source material, and uh, they figure with like new technology that it would be like oh we can actually like achieve what we want to given the advent and uh cgi and stuff I, but that I was that was six years ago i would be Dude, all would, in on it would, as a series oh yeah well like we just got 1899 i don't want a movie did you watch penny dreadful i love penny dreadful yeah i thought the first season was or the yeah the season one was fantastic Ooh. or not season one so good do i mean yeah season yeah. one is that what I'm talking about the the one that was set in yeah. London, not the L.A. Yeah. one. But um, yeah, the London one. They just leaned really yeah, the heavily old, old into like the Showtime, HBO, Cinemax, and there's like way too much sex for yeah. Like if they took that out, that would have been a perfect League of Extraordinary People show. And, yep. And um, they just made it way too much for like adult audiences that way. But I think they they did what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen tried to do. 15, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. That would, yeah, I, I think it would be perfect that way. I, I mean, like without, like you said, um, don't lean so hard in the uh, sex part of it. Just because, you know what? Relationships are cool, but I'm not watching a movie because I want to deal with their relationship shit. Yep. Let's get to the action. Let's get to moving the story along. Mm-hmm. I think it would be, I think yeah, that would be a fantastic series. I yeah. would love to see it. Yep. My weekend plans are to watch 1899 from Netflix this weekend. Uh, Is it out? Really excited. I think it's it's already out. It's already out. 1899? That's Harrison Ford, right? Uh, No, that's the... No, that's that's the the Yellowstone. That's the Yellowstone show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also... 1899 is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's that's like the Yellowstone spinoff about like a different generation of the Dutton family. Um, I don't watch Yellowstone, but but, but Aaliyah does, and it's always on, so I'm picking some things up. Uh, 1899 is like... I like Yellowstone. The German ship receives a distress signal, right? Yes, that's the one. That's Uh, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to see that. So I'm excited to check that out, just because, honestly, about this movie, got me just like, oh, yeah, like the early 1910s were kind of cool, aesthetics-wise, not... uh, (laughs) The okay. way we treated people. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, but it was really cool. I'm and like, you, yeah, no, just like I, I like marble columns. I think is like my thing, and I like people that wear suits. Uh, I think, I think that's generally yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like steam rising up off cobblestone streets. Yep. And then yep. after that, not, not not a lot great about 1910. Uh, that's why I like yeah. Legend of Korra. It's got all of those things. All the steampunk stuff. Yeah, that shit's really good. Yeah, yeah, that shit's cool. Uh, final segment, the Justin Tucker Award for Holy Shit, How Did That Go In? This is the person who did the most uh, with the least amount of screen time. Who was your favorite character that was barely in it? Because I gotta go, personally, uh, Richard Ruxburg. I As soon as he revealed himself as, like, M, I, I or as Phantom, I guess, was M, I, I just love that 
it's really just that little like mini black and white movie in the middle of the movie. Like that's what I'm giving all the credit to for, for Richard Ruxburg. But uh, who do you two choose? I'd, I'd go Tony Curran as the invisible man, literally not being in it. Barely. Yeah. Literally not in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. That's my pick too. Like I was just thinking last night um, as my TV went to the Apple TV screensaver and was showing like, like the Gobi desert or something like that Mm -hmm. in 4k and it reminded me of um flight of the phoenix the remake and uh i was like he was in that and he was great and he's in underworld and he was great and like he's just got that like not elitist british accent but more of the like on the streets and that's how he played invisible man and rodney skinner that's his name in the movie um i just thought he did a great job with especially like we were talking about earlier, all the red tape around that character and how it's not public domain yet. So he couldn't be, he, he, he got to be his own character without much of a backstory. The only connection mm-hmm. to the original source material was that he stole the formula. So right. I kind of loved that he didn't have anything to base it on and got to, he, he killed it for someone who's not really in the movie at all. <laughs> That's that's who I would say is I thought he did a great job, and did it did a great job too of like shouldering all the blame for shit going wrong without being the reason shit was going wrong. Like the fact that like I was rewatching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, the Invisible Man's a piece of shit, and I'm like, no, he's not the piece of shit. Dorian Gray, <laughs> Dorian Gray, as soon as Dorian Gray like poked the guy, I'm like, oh wait, no, he's the he's the bastard. Um, that's right. Uh, but does such a good job of like, yeah, of course it's the Invisible Man. Like, of course he's the the, the rat, you know, but um, just does and a really good job of, of balancing. And he's, he's naked all the time. Yeah. The whole time. Just <laughs> in Mongolia. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's rough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just roll through the snow. It's no problem. <laughs> Who was yours? No, Aaron, I agree with that. You're going with Invisible Man? No, too. I agreed with him. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he nailed everything there was. <sighs> all right. Well, I think that about wraps us up on uh, on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We don't normally cover non-Marvel things, but uh, I think going forward, I kind of want to. It's kind of nice taking a break from talking about, like, oh, it's Daredevil, uh, Wolverine. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you found this podcast, that means you know how to uh, share it with other people. Please do that if you think they'd enjoy it. You can find us uh, on Twitter at PurpleBird616. That is the, the link for the show. Aaron, do you want to share your handle now that you're getting a little more no. active on, on Twitter? No. no, no okay. Good. Yeah, fuck, yeah, fuck <laughs> people. I agree. Uh, Colin doesn't have a Twitter, uh, but I send him tweets on a daily basis. So if uh, you want to get anything to Colin, uh, just hit me up at PurpleBird616 and I'll send it his way. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back in your ear holes next week. Bye.